The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Thursday, November 9th, 2023, season 19, episode number 67. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We're live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, today we're going to get you guys ready, continue to get you guys ready for Cowboys versus Giants. We'll talk about the Giants defense versus the Cowboys offense. We got some injury updates that we will get to here in just a moment. Some interesting comments by uh, Mike McCarthy regarding Tyron Smith. We'll talk about that as well. Real quick, if you guys will indulge me. Uh, here at the beginning of the show, I just want to take a chance to uh, wish a very happy birthday to a very special woman in my life, my mommy. Hey, my mom! Aww. Happy birthday to my happy mom! Birthday and to the I queen. know she, I know she's listening because, as your mom does, Brian. I know if there's only one that's going to listen to the show, yeah. my mom's listening every single day. And as she told me this Aww. morning, she was like, I, I really don't care what anybody else has to say. I'm just listening <laughs> to see my baby. So, hey, mom, well, happy, happy birthday. birthday. Happy, happy birthday, birthday to the queen. Yeah. 100%. All right. So here we go. Let's get in. Let's talk about the injury report. Uh, there were four guys on the injury report. Real quick, since yeah. she's listening. Yeah. She's done a good job on her son, Aww. teaching him how to be a gentleman. I will say this. One thing that Derek does every single time to any female, he will open the door and mm. let you walk and go in first. So, mm. total gentleman. So, good job. Even My in the face of daily job. adversity yeah. that he gets <laughs> from his left side, he remains staunch hey, on being a gentleman. Because mom, mom taught me well. Mom there taught me well, no doubt about it. All right, so let's jump in. Let's talk about these injuries. Uh, there were four guys on the injury report. You have Marquis Bell with a calf injury. Also, Diggy Zool with a hamstring injury. Both of them were limited. Mm. Tyron Smith did not practice with an illness. Uh, Kevontae Turpin did not practice with that shoulder, which I don't know what. It, it's weird. It was all weird because it looked like shoulder and then they announced ribs. ribs. And now it's shoulder. And now it's shoulder. So I don't know what it is, but he's got something going on. Um, Let's talk about those injuries and and kind of what we're expecting as the the week progresses. So right now in the conversations I've had, Marquise Bell with his calf and also Diggy Zua hamstring, not a lot of concern there from the Cowboys. Um, Yesterday was a walkthrough for Dallas. Testament to what Mike McCarthy said earlier this week is that this Wednesday was set to be lighter for them. So while the Giants had a full practice, Cowboys kind of scaled back based on their GPS numbers. But uh, I don't, as we have this conversation, there's no concern about Bell nor Osa going into the game against um, the Giants. Today is going to be full injury report for Thursday. We'll see if anything changes over the course of today, but not a lot of concern there. Uh, Tyler Beata, she was listed as full with the ankle. He's fine. Jaron Curse toe, he was full. Um, Tyron Smith, well, Kevontae Turpin, let's go to Tyron last. Kevontae Turpin, that's going to be interesting to watch because he did return from that injury in Philadelphia, scored his second touchdown for the Cowboys, um, but then you could see that it wasn't there for him after that. So we'll see if he has availability for this weekend. It, today will be key for him as well as tomorrow. If he can't go, obviously the returner as a backup is going to be Rico. Maybe Deuce Vaughn gets activated this week if Cavante can't go as well. Tyron will Rico Sp- do punts as well? I know he's done kicks. Does he, does he do punts as well? I haven't seen him ever return a punt. Yeah, no, me either. No, yeah. Not a punt. No. Um, okay. Which would mean, here you go, Deuce. If Probably Rico, Deuce, yeah. uh, not Rico, if Cavante can't go, Deuce, you're up. Um, Tyron Smith. 
obviously, like you said, listed with an illness, did not participate in the walkthrough, uh, no physical issue as far as like, you know, the next thing or so. The fact that that's not listed, we're trending in a good spot there. Mike McCarthy was asked this week about the possibility of the Cowboys keeping the formula they had last week going into Philadelphia going forward in which he did not Tyron did not participate in the contact uh, practices. It was walked through and mock game only. And then he had an exceptional game. Mike McCarthy said that is on the table, possibly not just for this week, but possibly going forward for the rest of the season. I'm completely on board with that. He is no longer a daily driver. I think it's fair that everyone in the organization and Tyron understand that. So if you're only going to pull him out on Sundays or Mondays or Thursdays, whenever the game is, um, there we go. Let's do it. Because if he can continue to play at the level he played in Philly without practicing, there's your magic sauce right there. Amber and Brian, you disagree, agree? I just wish they'd all practice myself. I, I hate the veteran day. I get what Mike's trying to do. I think some of the issues you have on major days you practice, he doesn't practice them anyway. You know, he does a lot of walkthroughs and stuff. I applaud him for keeping his team healthy, but they make a lot of mistakes during games. And I think when you practice, you practice with the intent of not making mistakes and being ready for the game. I think there's an element of attention to detail that you lose when you don't practice. So, you know, if if Tyron's going to play the way he did, great. You know, absolutely. The availability of Tyron Smith with us is it's really 50-50 anyway. So whether he practices or not, we've seen him not practice before and he's played. He just played a great game last week. It's first time in a long time he played a really a great game. But there's a side of me that just does not dig the aspect of not practicing. I just feel like that you lose something there. And, and the guys that don't practice are the ones that play major roles weekly in the games. I, I'm not a fan of not practicing. I, and if it's walkthroughs, whatever, I, I don't care. But you only have so many of these things, so many opportunities. This classroom stuff, yeah, you can learn. You, you know, we've got technology now. You could take your pads home and watch tape and prepare that way and be mentally ready. But there's something to actually going out there and working on run blocking. There's something to actually go out there and work on red zone offense, tight red zone offense. Pick routes, rub routes, you know, physically going out and doing that. There's something to that. I think this team lacks that right now. I think some of the mistakes you see them make is because they don't practice nearly enough. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. I would rather see him practice. And who's not to say he can't, he's not going to pull a muscle in the second snap of the game. You know, it's that that can also happen with you not practicing, like practicing that muscle. But with him, we've seen it. Injuries happen whenever. So it, it, that's a tough one. But maybe they wh- – why can't they come up with something where it's not just like either he practices or not, but it's like a limited type of amount of snaps and practice. Like he's still getting some work in, but not for the full practice period. I think when you're talking about Tyron, and, and I don't disagree, I'm, you know – I've played sports, team sports. I've coached some sports. And I I agree with Brian in that when you're not on the practice field, you're missing something. Uh, That's just this bottom line. I think from the Cowboys' perspective, you have to weigh that up against who you're talking about. If we're talking about, like, for example, a veteran rest day for, like, a J. Ron Curse, I don't agree with that. I think a guy like J. Ron Curse should be on the field. Uh, But when it's Tyron Smith, 
and you see his durability issues over the past several years and you say to yourself, okay, what's more important him, him, Tyron, only Tyron. Is is it more important to make sure that Tyron is getting the practice reps or is it more important that he is available for the games? The next stinger was suffered in practice. You lost him for the subsequent game and then you struggled on, on, on the offensive line. So I think it's a conversation exclusive to Tyron Smith. And if we're keeping it exclusive to Tyron Smith, I'm fine with that because at his stage in his career it's kind of it's not dissimilar from Zach Martin Zach Martin doesn't technically need to practice to go out there and ball on a weekly basis Tyron is in that same air difference being Zach is more durable so we're not having this practice conversation about Zach yeah but but they don't run the ball particularly well and they've struggled on the right side running the ball and him and Steele for some reason have regressed from what they've done is it practice? Is it coaching? There's something that they're missing right now. Yeah, on the right side. Yeah, and 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 I I totally you know Zach Martin. I mean he is Zach Martin's a, is a great player, but Zach Martin you know I mean they give him a veteran day. I, you know I mean well we noticed when he was out from training camp. Remember that yes. that he was yeah. out and then yeah. start of the season there were times where I mean it's been really all year, all year so far where the O line you know uh, have struggled just being really good but even with Zach I forgot why game it was specifically that even a guy like him was not having a good day and that was at the beginning of the year and we talked about it on the show and I remember maybe it was like the reasoning behind it was mm-hmm. a reflection of him being absent throughout training camp and missing those the thing, of the thing with Tyron Smith is that he could walk he could get hurt walking up the stairs to get on the airplane that's that's where you're at right now with Tyron Smith, and I understand them trying to protect him and all that. And but when you're when you're when you have major breakdowns, in and you're and you're not particularly good in areas, you know I don't think just walking through is the right thing to do. And and, and you know they've they he prides himself on practice. Mike always talks about how much he likes to practice and all that, but he doesn't practice his guys in that way. You know, this team has been fresh in the playoffs and all that, and it hasn't carried through to the, the whole playoffs. And you know, and, and I think the other thing you got to consider there when you're talking about offensive linemen is continuity. We talk about it all the time. They we have do. to work yep. as a unit. And and what have we talked about also when it comes to some of the challenges they've had? Have had issues sometimes when it comes to handling twist and, yeah. and and being able to kind of pass guys off. And I've seen in the running game sometimes the issue is that. Guys aren't getting off to that second level. And that's all about timing. That's all about working with the guy beside you and knowing when you're letting go and releasing that player and trade passing that player off so you can get to the next guy. If you're not practicing, that yeah. timing won't get there. Because we, as we know, they haven't played enough games mm. in a row, as we yeah. haven't even talked about. They haven't done that enough to get to a point where you feel like that continuity is right there. So I, I do it's, wonder it's if, you, if you're if you not getting the practice time, where do you get that continuity? Where it's, do you build that tough continuity? Because, you're, again, you're, you're – re- you're playing the risk reward equation because you're 100% right. The more practice reps you get, the more continuity you build. But if he suffers a next stinger in practice and he's not on the field the next game, then guess what? You're not getting the continuity on, in the game. So you're losing it somewhere. And really, again, that's why I said this conversation for me is exclusive to Tyron in that, you know, how do you manage that? Like, is he more valuable in getting these practice reps, which are valuable, but is it more valuable to get him those and risk him not playing the next one or two games? They were. Or if you say, hey, he's at a stage in his career where where he's good enough to go through walkthroughs and mock games and still also mentally build chemistry with Tyler and then it shows on the left side as it did in Philadelphia it's the right side that needs to get it figured out they were they were ready last week they felt like that it, he might something might happen to him and play three 
play four. I mean, Adoga was ready to go. Mm-hmm. If you want to like watch the movie Top Gun and have somebody on Cat Two, you know, ready, you know, <laughs> oh, you're talking like, Nick Eatman. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, we're all, we're all fighting now. the mission, but we got, you know, we got somebody over here on Cat Two ready to launch. If you <laughs> talk know, to if, me, if, goose. If, so, yeah, if somebody goes down. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, you know what I mean? Do we want to launch on Cat Two? No, we're good. We're you know we're battling here. You know that kind of thing. But there, that's 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 the that's Tyron Smith now. You know, and as great as he is, that's that. There's no other player I, I can ever remember where you need him so badly, but you're just scared every time that he ever takes a snap. Sounds like Sean Lee. That's where they were yeah. with Sean Lee too yeah. toward the end of his career. And but I just like I said, I think practice. I think practice is important, and I know Allen Iverson disagrees with me. <laughs> well, the, but the only thing I think I it is important for for football. I think yeah. it's important. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm thinking. I'm like, okay, how can I compare this in my own life uh, or relate to? Obviously, I'm no athlete. I'm not athlete no. whatsoever. No, sorry to disappoint. So and... sorry, that's <laughs> just working out. I'm no athlete, but. For if I don't pick up a paintbrush all week, yeah. and then I do over the weekend, it might take me. It doesn't mean my skill is disappear or gone. It's still there, but it might take me like an hour or so for me to kind of, all right, let me get back in the groove in the pace. Hmm. And you can't. It's just there's no other way to replicate that moment unless you practice on the field mm-hmm. out there and even then even then practice is not replicating what you're going to face during the game i agree i think if he has a um an average or even slightly above or below average game against the eagles then it's not on the table as far as the conversation for mike mccarthy and the coaching staff i think the fact that he was able to go out there not show any rust not need any ramp up time as far as the first couple of series or whatever gives them confidence that hey if you did it once you can do it again so to your point you're 100 percent correct but that's why what i mean when i say it's exclusive the conversation is to tyron because of where he is in his career how elite he can still be when he's on the field physically and mentally so he's shown you that he doesn't need the ramp up and that's why i think it's on the table for him all right here's what I want to do. I want to move on to another topic. Real quickly, I want to hit before we go to break. We talked a little bit earlier in the week about Martavis Bryant. Cowboys actually finalized it. They signed him to the practice squad. Uh, he said something, I think it was yesterday, that did raise my eyebrow for a second. Uh, he said he's been running uh, 20 to 22 to 23 miles per hour in some of his training. So it, it brought up an interesting thought in my mind. Like, how fast is that relative to other NFL players? So I went on our Next Gen Stat website. Uh-huh. And uh, max speed for a wide receiver in the 2023 season, 22.44 miles per hour. Mm. <laughs> if he's telling the truth, he's running as fast as the fastest wide receiver. We need the receipts. They didn't, they didn't say a name. They yeah. just said the fastest, okay. well, fastest wide receiver time this year at sustained speed of 0.5 seconds. Sustained for 0.5 seconds was 22.44 miles per hour. Let's get the chronometer and go. Yeah. Out there. So my, but my question though is like, the receipts. if that is true, mm-hmm. does it change your thoughts on maybe what your expectations might be for this guy? Because as we talked about earlier in the week, my expectations was literally, oh, guy, can he help you out maybe 31. you know as a yeah. scout type guy? Yeah. But if he's running as fast as the fastest guy in the league at the wide receiver position. I- might be able to use that. I, I think when you talk to anybody in the organization, they will tell you they're kicking the tires on this one. Yeah, they're just looking. They're looking to see if they if they can find something that can help them. You know, maybe two, three weeks from now. You know, that's that's where they're at. Britt Brown's going to get this guy in the best shape he can. The guy's going to practice. Hopefully, he's going to have some opportunities to learn uh, what's going on in the playbook uh, and get some reps out there. And then maybe. 
maybe that for that stretch run when you get to December, you might see him on a call up. Mm-hmm. You know, and because if they feel good enough that way, I don't. I don't think this was one to go out and replace somebody right now. I think this was. Let's get. Let's let's go two or three weeks, see where we're at, and then if it's if it's good to go, we'll go with it. If it's not, then there's really no harm there. Yeah. Um, well, first we want to believe you, Martavis, but we need those receipts, my friend. <laughs> yeah. um, somebody, did somebody tie? Yeah, we need we need that receipt. But yeah. but I will say, if we're talking strictly um, on if the speed, if that's accurate, if that changes my thought process, the answer is no. If we're talking strictly speed, because you have speed, you got Cooks, you got Turpin, you got speed. Um, you wouldn't necessarily have speed with that size. I was about to say the size yeah. is the part that changes. Yeah, you wouldn't dynamic. have speed with yeah. that size, yeah. but uh, I'm right there with Brian. It's still a look see situation for the Cowboys. He his signing doesn't, as we have this conversation, displace anyone. It doesn't yeah. displace Gallup. Tolbert, um, Turpin. It certainly doesn't displace Cooks. Uh, and then, you know, CeeDee Lamb's going to be CeeDee Lamb. So I, I think it's just, you know, it's kicking the tires, like Brian said. And if it works out for you, great. Then you figure out what that su- success looks like schematically for you. Uh, and if it doesn't, then what it really costs you, you know, pennies on the dollar, if that. So It could be a bigger red zone target, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, 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 there are ways you can figure out yeah. how to use him, yeah. I, I would think. You know, and again, the success, as we talked about, how do you define success? Maybe it is, can he make a play for you? Yeah. Like, literally, yeah. you get into one of these tight games, can he be the guy? Can he be the difference in that Philadelphia game when you're figuring out how you can try to get in the end zone yeah. there at the end of the game? Maybe he's that difference maker for you. And if you can find a guy that can play that kind of role, yeah. it's a good thing for you how, in December and into the playoffs. How successful would you say the Cowboys have been at utilizing new acquisition, new talent, when plugging them in the offense? Hmm. Because it makes me wonder, the, like people that come into mind, guys T. Y. Like Hilton, T.Y. Hilton, I remember the first game was him, a yeah. game against Philadelphia. He had like a 30, it was third and 30. And 30 and he, yeah. yeah, and he, he, I think there was a time where T.Y. Hilton, as a plug-in player, like his first four receptions were all first downs. Yeah. So that was kind of one of those, wow, okay, here's a guy off the couch, all of a sudden gets plugged in the game, and now he's, he's helping you win games. Yeah, it's possible. Um it's a little bit more of a gap between T.Y. and Martavis simply because of yeah. how more recently T.Y. was in the league. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and this is a, a guy, T.Y., at a, at height of his career, he was in a Hall of Fame discussion, right? So mm-hmm. different caliber there. But, you know, it's still possible. I mean, um, different position. But, you know, Jason Peters came in and contributed. Jason Peters, another one. Yeah, that's so, a good one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it's definitely possible, if that's what you're asking. It's just a matter of waiting and seeing what happens with it, basically. He's got the skill set. I'm just saying, I, w- I was, yeah, I was thinking more those offensive, when it comes to offensive weapons, mm-hmm. where sometimes they struggle to find the right spot or the right way. Like, look at Kevonta Turpin. I mean, different, completely different story here. But how long it took them to get to the point that they're at now in yeah. finding ways to use him. So it's Same more of like Pollard. guys like that. <laughs> like, sometimes they struggle, and it takes them a while to really, when it starts clicking and they start taking advantage of those guys. So Yeah, I was trying to look it up. I, I, had, I didn't realize until I was kind of reading around about him yesterday he actually played this last year in the XFL. Yeah. And uh, here, here it is. Looking at some of his receiving numbers, uh, he had 154 yards receiving on 14 receptions. Uh, so not anything that you're like, oh, my gosh, that was that was like a 
wonderful season. Yeah. Uh, but he has played football. Because right. I was thinking, is he coming right off the couch? Right. He actually has been playing football. So yeah. that yeah. that does help a little bit. And then you see what you can do here. Obviously, you got the trainers here that can get him into football shape. Uh, and then you see if you can take advantage of some of that right. size and speed to give you a little something. And he's played on a, a big NFL stage as far as, um, I almost said programs, like college football on yeah. the brain. Um, as far as organizations are concerned, Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, there's a lot of eyes and, and bright lights in Pittsburgh as well. And he and under Mike Tomlin, there's a lot of expectation there, and he produced up there. So it's not like he's um, unfamiliar with stepping into big shoes and trying to trying to get some stuff done. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to jump into the Giants' defense versus the Cowboys' office. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone, on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language, you must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a soldier to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks, girl. Better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. Head to AT&T Stadium on Saturday, November 11th to experience Rally Day presented by SeatGeek. Celebrate Veterans Day with special presentations from the Color Guard and Junior ROTC Drill Team plus 21-gun salute. Take a tour of AT&T Stadium. Get an autograph. Get autographs from Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders and alumni play games, head outside to the Miller Lighthouse, and even play on the field. Visit attstadium.com slash rally days for tickets and more information. Welcome back. Second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the start. Segment brought to you by blockchain.com. All right, here we go. Let's talk about the New York Giants defense. Uh, since the last time the Cowboys played them, they did trade away what I think is probably safe to say their best defensive player, or at least among their very best defensive players in Leonard Williams. 
Brian, how much did that change their defense when they traded him away? It it, it, it hurt them in a way because they're trying to kind of figure out what's going on inside a tackle. But you're still going to have to deal with Dexter Lawrence. Uh, you know, he, in my opinion, uh, you know, with Thibodeau is listed as an outside linebacker. He really plays like an edge. Jihad Ward is the other one. So, you know, if that right there, Lawrence, Thibodeau, Ward, that's kind of their pass rushing group. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, this is a very blitz heavy team. I think 46% of the time they're going to blitz you here. And, and the, the down they do it on, which I thought was interesting, I was like, where'd they do this? It's second down, like 58% of the time they're going to blitz, and you kind of watch the tape, and you're like, okay, I see what they're doing here. But, yeah, I think it really does start with – I could very well see them in this game, guys, taking Dexter Lawrence and putting him right over the nose of, of Tyler Biotish and, say, block. Because he's done that a couple of the, the games I was watching the last two. The Jets, he caused a lot of problems inside. He caused problems against the Raiders as well, just pushing the center back into the, the quarterback. So that's where you're going to have to deal. Thibodeau is a guy that – Thibodeau had one of his best games, by the way, against the Jets when he mm-hmm. watched him. He had three sacks in that game, and he looked like the player that we all kind of thought he was going to be. So that's kind of what they got going up front uh, with their with their group. You mentioned Thibodeau. Um, where where is he going to typically? Where are you going to typically seeing him line see him line up? And who's going to be the Cowboy player that's primarily going to see him most of the day? Well, if I'm the Giants, I'm going to put him over on the right side because he plays both sides. Yeah, he can play. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put him on the on on the on the Giants' left, your right, and I'm going to test I'm going to test Terrence Steele in mm-hmm. this one to see if he can hold up. Uh, you know, these teams, they look for weaknesses along the line. And I, I think a couple of spots that the Cowboys have had some concerns have been at their center spot and then at right tackle a little bit. So they'll take their two best players and, and put them in those spots, I believe. Thinking about the skill set of Thibodeau and the skill set of Steele and where Steele is okay and where he's struggling this year, how does that match up? Yeah, that's that's the the thing with Thibodeau is he, he you know he, for a big guy he doesn't play with a whole lot of power. He's more of a try to kind of beat you with try to get to your shoulder, try to beat you with some quickness, try and dip underneath you. Uh, you know the hand placement, all that stuff could be a lot better for him. He relies more on he's going to get the edge and he's going to be able to to get underneath you to get to the quarterback. So. Uh, I think where I think where Steele needs to be a little careful is, as much as he's had some of the issues on the edge, and gets over, uh, maybe overthinks it a little bit and thinks I have to be outside, I have to be outside, and then that and then Thibodeau comes back inside. That's where I would worry a little bit right now, being really heavy, trying to stay outside on the outside foot on his right foot, and then Thibodeau taking him back inside because he's capable of doing both rushes that way. Who's the best? Who's the best uh, at stopping the run? It's going to be Lawrence. Is going to be this. This when you watch them play, Lawrence as the defensive tackle mm-hmm. makes a lot of plays inside because if you run the ball at him, he's going to just disengage the blocks and get. He, he also can work a couple of gaps down. Is what he can do. They've got uh, uh, Bobby uh, Bobby Okariki, the uh, Okariki, the. Uh, the, the linebacker's a good player for them. He's he's a kind of a downhill player. So 
the defensive tackle and then the middle linebacker are the two of the best players when it comes to defending the run. You thinking about running the ball this week or try to run the ball? Well, Actually, I would like to see ahead. something a little bit of establish or starting to establish that wherever yeah. you can at whatever point. Yeah. I think it, just to start building up a little bit more confidence in that area of the game. So let me throw this at you. I was looking at some of the numbers around the Giants' rush defense. Yeah. They are 25th in yeah. rush defense in the league. Not only that, they're 28th in yards per carry. They're allowing 4.6 yards per carry. Um, When you think about that, and considering the fact that they've allowed 125-plus rushing yards in seven of their nine games, gave up a whopping 222 at Miami, it looks like it Maybe looks like chance. this could be a game where yeah. you could get right with your yeah. running game. So you're saying there's a chance. There's a chance. Yeah. There's right? a chance. But yeah, but to me, it's going to have to be: can you block? Can you block that defensive tackle? Lawrence, I think can. can you know, then I mean, you know, evidently when you look at the games and stuff like that, the the thing about it is to me, and when I watch the Giants play, I just the thing I worry the most about them is like if you just commit to saying, okay, we're gonna. We're going to throw the ball here today. We're going to try and throw the ball. The pressure, their blitz pressure. And maybe this is a time where Dallas could say, well, let's try and load up and run the ball here and let's try and be successful at it. But I think the Giants kind of also know that too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think they're, they're sitting there thinking, well, Dallas wants to try and get right running the ball here. You know, and so how do you play? I mean, they're, the reason I think the Giants give up plays, in the, in the, they're really, their linebackers are like really aggressive uh, with him and. Uh, they McFadden's another one. They overrun. They're mm-hmm. really they 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 really bite heavy when you like give them that run action. They're coming for because they're committed to they're committed to trying to play the run because of what Derek was talking about. Xavier McKinney, the uh, the safety. These guys are all trying to fly down inside there to stop the run because they have had some problems with it. But Dallas has got to prove to me that they can run the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, if they if you go into a game and you're playing against the twenty fifth best run defense in the league and you don't have success running the ball, now you've really, really got yeah. some problems in this one. But it, it's going to be have to block. I think it's going to be about having to block the – making sure that you take care of Lawrence and then take care of their linebackers. I, I think – I mean, and like you said, they they rank pretty poorly as far as run defense is concerned. Uh, and kind of going to Brian's point, they – if they feel like that's where you're going to try to attack them first, yeah. uh, attack them in the air first and then use that to kind of set up your run, and then there you go. You're, there's your rushing attack right there because they, they're not great at pass defense, which Brian will get to in a moment. Um, so, I mean, however you want to attack it, this is a game where you can get the run game going. I just wouldn't go at it primarily. I mean, and you're doing so well as far as explosiveness with CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson. Like, don't halt that. Keep that going. Apply per- Use that to apply pressure and keep that momentum moving forward, and then they'll start backing off. And then here comes that 25th, 26th ranked run defense, unable to stop Tony Pollard, Rico Dowling. But, okay, this might be a dumb question, but it's okay. Um, If they're bad at it, at stopping the run anyways, regardless, why does it matter whether they know or see that you're... Because they'll they'll scheme for it. They'll throw extra bodies at it. They'll They'll they'll, put more bodies in the box and things like that. You haven't proven... But they're still bad at it. You've proven you can't run the ball. You mean you, True, you, for you sure. you've had yes. well okay you I shouldn't say prove you you struggle you running the ball you haven't shown you can run yeah. it shown, so if, if yeah if if their 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 thought has to be you know it, when you look at Wink Martindale their defensive coordinator if I'm him I'm like okay if I if I would worry more about Dak and CD and Ferguson than I would anybody else those are the guys I need yep. because you haven't proven to me that you can run the yeah. ball against anybody you know good or bad. 
You know, that mean they 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 just haven't had success doing it. And you know, Philadelphia, we knew Philadelphia, but there's team, you know, there's teams that we might believe. We saw last week with our own eyes. Philadelphia plays poor pass defense. You know, that might be the way to beat Philadelphia. Yeah. Now, don't run well, the ball. No might about I mean, and, and it might be people don't want to run the ball because it's like, we no, we'll, we'll throw the ball on these guys. Because if we can block their fronts, then we can we can throw the ball in the secondary. But, you know, honestly, I, I think if I were the Giants, I'd take the, the opposite approach, Brian, and what you're saying. I, I would actually say I would come into this game saying I got to cool Dak Prescott off. Because That's what I'm saying. I'm playing pass defense Yeah, I'm first. being play- If I'm the Giants, I, no, no, I'm yeah, like, I, I'm no, keeping no. seven back, yeah. and I'm, I might blitz every once in yeah. a while. But also the, the other parts of that, too, is when you got a team like theirs where offensively they're yeah. going to struggle, yeah. uh, you want to keep the game close. So the last thing you do is give up big plays. So yeah. I'd be like, I'm not giving up any big plays. I'm keeping everything underneath me. I'm going to force Dallas to drive methodically down the field and not make a mistake. That's yeah. how I think I would approach it if I were the Giants. That's defense. Do their defense and they will get absolutely big eaten plays? alive. Maybe they will, but yeah. that's how I think they have to approach it. No, right? Fair. I think that's the only shot they got in approaching this game. And they, I would love for them to approach it that way because yeah. they're going to get absolutely eaten alive. Yeah. And that's why I said keep the momentum going. Keep the electricity going in this passing attack because if, if they – for them, I could see how that makes sense, but that's a bad play for them. Like, that's a bad play. They don't really have they're, a lot they're, of they're, No, they're, they're struggling because their <laughs> offense <any>. is so <laughs> bad. Yeah. Their right. offense is so bad. It affects everything else. It affects yeah. how they have to play defense, yeah. and they have to – They have to. now they're, they're banged up in the secondary right now. I mean, we'll see. Dory Jackson got a, suffered he, – he hurt his neck in the Buffalo yep. game. Concussion. And then he got a is concussion. Is he out or is he – I talked to my guys at the Giants this morning. He was there's, – there's a chance that he's going to be available. So that mean would be him and Banks mm-hmm. would likely be the corner – Nick McLeod played last week, and he wasn't terrible in the game. Where they're bad is uh, Cordell Flock is the the nickel, and he's been struggling. He plays really loose, and that's a problem for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes he's up on it, sometimes he's back. He gives up plays. He gives up routes. He doesn't tackle particularly well. So I I don't know if they want to sit there and blitz Dak in this game. Mm -hmm. No. I would make, like you guys were talking about, to me, make Dallas have to drive the ball. Because when Dallas drives the ball, are they, are they going to make a mistake? Right. You know, legal motion? Are they going to give up a sack? Are they going to, you know, what, what's going to happen in this game? So, yeah, the plan for me would, yeah, I would worry, like I said, I would worry about Dak a lot in this game. If I was the Giants, I would do everything in my power to make sure you take care of him first right. and then work from the others. If now, you can do it. Like that's, I don't, I don't, they, they don't, they don't do have it? the horses to do it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. here's here's something that, that I found that's actually promising to uh, in the regards of a concern that you and we had coming out of the San Francisco game. Dak Prescott and these receivers excel at exposing zone coverage. Yeah. But when the defense switches to man, the Cowboys were struggling. Dak was struggling with that. Well, they went into a Philadelphia game where Philly was averaging roughly seven plus ish percent uh, zone defense, but they dropped that and it was almost a 50 50 split. Right. Okay, Dak Prescott versus man coverage in Philly 13 for 21, 188, two touchdowns. Right. Um, plus 10.8, so almost 11% completion percentage above expectation. So Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb, this is why I say keep that momentum going with CeeDee Lamb and Jake Ferguson because now it's starting to come together where Dak Prescott can pick apart man coverage right. as well as he can pick apart zone. The Giants don't have a recourse for this. They yeah. just they don't. The more the season is going on, the more it's becoming apparent, at least to me, 
that I think the issues that the offense was dealing with early in the season were growing pains. They were figuring out this offense. They yeah. were figuring out how to get Dak acclimated in this offense. Yep. And I think now they're starting to figure it out. And that's why I think they've been on this roll these last couple of weeks. All right, let's go ahead and take our final break. We'll come back. I got some questions for you guys about the Cowboys offense. We'll do that in just a second. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change, a proud partner of the Cowboys. is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code Cowboys. VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. All right, it's time for the NFL Fan of the Year. I think our buddy here is uh, Sean Polite. Yeah. Is your uh, 2023 Cowboys Fan of the Year, and now he needs your help. Vote for Sean to be given the ultimate title of NFL Fan of the Year presented by Captain Morgan by casting your vote at NFL.com slash Fan of the Year. Welcome back. It is the final segment of the break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Let's turn our attention to the Cowboys offense. Here's a question I have for you guys. Is there a noticeable difference for you between Tony Pollard of previous seasons and of 2023? Because I know there's been a lot with regard to the offensive line and their woes. But how much of that is about Tony Pollard? How different is he than, than he's been in past years? He's, he's different to me, and I'm not surprised because— But be clear, what in what ways? I think as the season wears along, he's starting to find out what it means to be RB1 and have to do the dirty work and the heavy lifting that, say, Ezekiel Elliott had become accustomed to doing. And that's going to take some of his explosiveness, some of his homework ability, particularly as you get midway and in the back end of the season. So because there is some plays on the film where I'm like, OK, no, the Tony Pollard previously to 2023 would have hit that lane and gotten 10, 15 yards. Maybe that's a home run ball. But 
Tony Pollard in 2023, he either doesn't see that lane or he hits that lane, but not with the same explosiveness. So it just leads me to wonder how much of carrying the RB1 load and doing that dirty work in the heavy lifting has siphoned some of his explosiveness, which also is why RB2, which was Tony Pollard, now it's Rico Dowdo, has that, those fresh legs and he's showing that explosiveness. That's just the dynamic Go of figure. It. Go figure. And we talked, you say that <laughs> facetiously because we talked about this in training camp. What is Tony Pollard RB2? RB1 look like and we said I, I know Amber and I are on the same page with this we don't think that it looks anything like Tony Pollard RB2 because you have to take on more duties and you taking more hits because you're getting more reps and as the weeks roll along you start to find out this is why Ezekiel Elliott in December would deal with a PCL issue this is why Ezekiel Elliott would deal with this ailment and that ailment and it's just not there like it was not to say he can't still hit the home run I believe he can but this is a different version of Tony Pollard and people just need to get used to it you're not going to see the one you saw in 2022 and 2021 that now is Rico Dowdle because that's how it plays out in the RB1 RB2 dynamic yep um where are all the Zeke haters now <laughs> um it's just one of those things you, you presented it perfectly because now I do see some people online wanting to see more uh, Rico. Rico and it's like oh, okay we've heard we this story the second running back is always more popular than the story horse, before right? yeah. now to be fair to be Felix. fair, the O-line has not been what you like it to be. So yeah, there, we got to take that into account. There are a lot of times, because of the O-line playing the way that they are, I feel like there are times where Tony is given more responsibility as a blocker to kind of help. And he's done well. In he's his done well, play. but it's still taking away from right. you just bango, being that bango, guy that runs bango. with their legs mm -hmm. and takes off with the ball. So I think... Yeah, he hasn't been that guy. He's got he has a lot more responsibilities on his back that he's having to endure game after game. But again, you gotta look at the O line and how that looks. And we Agreed. very, very well know that the O line is the one kinda create well, not kinda. They are the ones creating those holes for you. And it just it hasn't been there for the for the running backs really this season. Yeah, the O line and the tight ends can't get him to and through the hole. That's that's the biggest issue right now. He and they're trying to scheme ways of doing this, whether it's pulling guys, it's uh, you know with some of the combination blocks, but they don't win at the point of attack nearly enough. The right side surely hasn't won like it mm -hmm. used to win with Steele, and you know I think you're dealing with his injuries of him trying to come back. They just haven't been as strong. And then when they have had opportunities, unfortunately they had a big run the other day, got called back for holding. Mm -hmm. You know with Schoonmaker. You know they've had some that have got to and through and. And, you know, when they can, they can, you know, they can cap they're capable of doing that. He's clearly different. I don't think he's healthy enough right now. I think the injuries have, have has hurt him. It's unfortunate for him because he's trying to, you know, he's trying to, you know, get another contract. He's playing on yeah. a franchise tag right now. And you're starting to hear the whispers, would Dallas consider drafting a running back in the first round now? You're starting to hear, you know, you're starting to see people talk about, well, do they just need to move on from all these running backs and and address that in the uh, next uh, next year? So I, I think that as long as the offensive line continues to struggle, you'll see Tony Pollard struggle. And, and Tony, yeah. to his credit, because he had a touchdown that was deleted because of the illegal formation penalty. So, I mean, he's he's grinding and he's doing what he can do. It's, it's just it's a different seat. So it's a different Tony because it's different requirements. And like we all agree, offensive line isn't helping him at all. But then you go back. Throw the tight ends in there, too, by the way. Also. Yeah. Yeah. But then when you go back and you look at, let's say, the Chargers game, for example, um, Dak extends to play, hits Pollard. He turns that into a 60-yarder. 
that before he was tackled, you're like, okay, this looks like 2022 Tony Pollard. But the fact he didn't feel this guy right here, yeah. that felt like the 2023 Tony Pollard. Right, and also <laughs> just he even talked about it after the game. He's like, that that's one that I should have taken yeah. to the house. And so, I, don't, I don't know if he had that extra gear at that point to take it correct. to the house or not. Because Who knows? he's been doing the dirty work. But, the, but the one thing that keeps popping up in my head is a conversation that I know you had it with Skip Pete. I had it with Skip Pete. He even talked about it to the media in general. Is his belief was the in order to get the best out of Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard needed that extra back. Sledgehammer was taking that. Yeah, you needed that in order to get the very best out of him. You have to manage his number of reps. And and I'm wondering again, I don't know that we've seen enough to make a definitive statement, but I'm wondering if that's all playing out now to where just that added amount of number of reps, added number of hits, Mm -hmm. that the cumulative that the cumulative of that. Uh, maybe affects him in a way to where he you don't get the same level of explosiveness uh, that you would have gotten exactly. in past years with him. We don't know for sure, but but I do think, and because I, I agree with you, Brian, until the offensive line starts doing their part and the tight ends start doing their part, it's hard to really evaluate him. Yeah. I don't think he's getting a fair shot at this. Uh, but I but I do wonder if some of that is what Scott what Skip P talked about and and why he thought it was necessary to have both a Zeke Elliott and a Tony Pollard in this run offense. Do you think, let's just create this scenario, if Zeke was still here and they were still that combo together, mm-hmm. would they still be having the same type of issues right now? Yes, because I don't think, I don't think yeah, the blocking would be different. It would look so, worse. Yeah, it was so going right, back to, right. But so it wouldn't be the. It, no. it's not that difference maker. So going back to your point, this is just me backing up your point, that yeah. it is all stemming down from the O-line and there's no... It's no fair judgment to look at him and evaluate his level of play and playing level because there's no other way. I think, I, think, I think all of it feeds into each other. So obviously there's offensive line issues yeah. and that makes it difficult for him to be as productive as he probably would be otherwise. But you can't take away from the fact that once he became RB1, there's different uh, tasks yeah. that are required. It's just dirty work and it's more pass pro and it's more A and B gap runners. It's more dirty work. So by the time you get to uh, that point in the Chargers game late in the game where you need him to find two high gears, he found the first one and it was like, okay, here we go. But he didn't feel this guy because he didn't find that the highest top top gear that mm-hmm. probably was there when he would have been on fresher legs because Zeke had done most of the work. Well, I almost can almost guarantee you now this is theoretically, but if you put Rico in that same play, it's probably a touchdown. Does that mean Rico's better than Tony? No, but it means that Rico has the fresher legs. It's the RB2 conversation. It's why, and we've done we've covered the Cowboys long enough, all of us, to understand how that works with fans. It's Felix Jones, you should give him more re- let Julius go and give it to Felix. Mm-hmm. And then Felix Felix, yeah, he's a capable running back, but then it's like, oh, well, let's give it to Lance. Remember and, Troy Hambrick? Right, it's uh, the brick. Right? <laughs> no, they were, people were like, you got to get Troy Hambrick right. to start a so, role. And, and then it was like, oh, It was gosh. like, okay, well, look at— <laughs> That's the reason why we're doing radio right now. <laughs> right. Let's look at Tony and, and, you know, get rid of Zeke and make Tony the top dog. And now Tony's the top dog, and they're like, ooh, Rico. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. you know, and if, hypothetically, if it were Rico as RB1 next season, then they'd be like, ooh, deuce. It's the so, meme, right? It's the meme of the guy exactly. walking with the girl that's always looking behind always like looking at the other. Behind. Girl, right? It's always that's how the, the RB1 person. and RB2 that's work. That's how it always works. All right, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll wrap this thing up, tell you what we think is going to happen this Sunday Cowboys versus Giants. Still in for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, and Amber Garcia. I am Derek Eagleton, and this has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!